You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Ismack. 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 Yeah. Ismack. As a kid, I always loved taking things apart. I was encouraged to take things apart. <laughs> Welcome to Ear Snacks. I'm Andrew. And I'm Polly. And today, it's World, World Quark Day! Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quark. <laughs> but hold on. Yes? What's a quark? <laughs> what isn't a quark? They're everywhere. Ah, where? Everywhere, Polly. Just look around. I don't see any quarks. You don't? No. That's probably because you can't see them. You can't see quarks. They're invisible. <laughs> They're like ghosts or love or podcasts. <laughs> They're invisible because they're so small. What's the smallest thing you could see? A mouth. An ant. How could you make it look bigger? A flying glass. A microscope. Ooh, what about the biggest thing you can see? The biggest thing is a hippo giraffe. A hippopotamus. Really? Okay, what about the farthest thing you could see? The farthest thing away from our house is New Mexico. I can see mountains. The moon. How could you make those things look closer? Binocular. Binocular. A binocular or a telescope? telescope. I wonder who might use a special seeing device as part of their work. Um, a detective. Construction workers. Paleontologists. To help them see the fossils? Eye doctors and scientists. That's right. Yeah, doctors and scientists use powerful microscopes to see things we don't usually get to see. So you're saying quarks are small? Yes. Like small, small? Like super <laughs> duper small? Like super, super, super small? Small. Small. Uh, but how small are they? I know someone we could ask. Quirk, 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 quirk. Hello? Hello? Hi! Hi! What is your name? Martin Breidenbach. May we call you Marty? Yes, please. <laughs> I'm a retired physics professor at Slack. <gasps> Slack, or Slack National Accelerator Laboratory, is a place in the United States under the Department of Energy where scientists study really cool phenomena with some really special tools. Slack is the place that had a electron accelerator. It's the only place still that has a big electron accelerator, although that accelerator is no longer used for particle physics. An electron... Accelerator? Accelerator. How could you describe it so that our friends who are listening at home would have an idea of what that thing is? Okay. So where can we start on the structure of matter? Should we start from nowhere? No, we will. We'll start no. from somewhere. Yeah, we'll start from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm happy to start from a sheet of paper. I mean, everybody knows what a sheet of paper is. If you want, we'll we'll talk it right through to electrons. Let's sure. do it. Let's do it. Okay. So consider a sheet of paper, and all of us can cut a sheet of paper in half, and we have two pieces, and we can do it again and again and again and again. Eventually, those pieces get very small. 
So now use your imagination. Imagination. Never mind the fact that they're too small to handle with your fingers. That's a detail. Keep doing it. Do we keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller pieces of paper each time we cut it in half? Or do you reach a point where it doesn't work anymore? There's no more cutting it in half. Not even with the tiniest scissors. I don't care. You have magic scissors. Magic scissors. The magic scissors reach a point where they don't work. And the reason they don't work is they have reached a fundamental unit of paper we call a molecule. Molecule. The whole field of what we call chemistry, chemistry is the study of molecules and atoms and how those atoms make molecules. Molecules as simple as H2O, water, or as complex as DNA. DNA RNA. But now we can go further. We can start asking, what is an atom made of? What, what is, is an atom made of? Atom has a center part, which we call a nucleus. Nucleus. And there are electrons. Electrons. Really light charged particles that whiz around this nucleus. For a long time, scientists thought that the nucleus was just one indivisible lump. But by doing experiments, we learned that you can break a nucleus apart and that a nucleus has parts called protons and neutrons. Protons and neutrons. Everything you want can be built out of protons and neutrons with electrons whizzing around it. Potassium. Iron. Gold. Copper. Hydrogen. 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 Symbol is H. H. You are listening to Ears. Quarks are so small, Polly. Yeah. Could we recap for our friends the smallness of things that we've talked about on Ear Snacks? Okay. They're so small you can't even see them. You cannot even see them. You need a microscope. You need a microscope. A microscope? A microscope. So if you don't have a microscope, Mm. we're talking about things you can't see. This is not a sandwich. (laughs) This is not even a Lego. This is not even a piece of salt. (gasps) Smaller than a piece of salt? Yeah. Boom. Is a quark. <laughs> Before we get all the way down okay. to quarks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, things that were alive or are alive okay. are made up of... People. <laughs> cells, Polly. Cells. That's cells. Right. The answer is cells. Yeah. yeah, the smallest piece of your body is the smallest Lego, and we call it a cell. Cell. Cells are made up of a whole bunch of things, including... Quarks. Oh, no, we're not talking about we're quarks not yet. We're okay, 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 okay. DNA. DNA. DNA RNA. Smaller than cells. Yeah. Okay, sandwiches, Legos, yeah. cells, yep. DNA. Yep. Okay. Zooming in even farther into DNA uh-huh. is made up of a whole bunch of atoms. Atoms? Atoms like my friend Adam. <laughs> like Adam Feltzman? Like Adam Feltzman. Yeah. 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 The idea of atoms have been around for millennia in ancient India and ancient Greece, but that was really just people philosophizing about the idea of the smallest thing. Oh, they thought, well, if there's something smaller than a sandwich, there might be something smaller than the thing that's smaller than the sandwich. Yeah, what are things makes made sense. up and I mean, what makes up those things? If I take a hammer and I hit a piece of rock mm-hmm. and I bust it into a bunch of smaller rocks, mm-hmm. I could probably keep doing that. Keep busting them up. Until they're all dust. Until at some point you can't bust it any further. And yeah. for a long, 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 long time, yeah. people thought that was atoms, the smallest thing, the okay. tiniest, tiniest little ball in the yeah. universe. They thought atoms were the smallest thing. It was a very nice model. We all thought it was complete. Now we know something else. Atoms are made up of smaller particles. They're made up of electrons that zoom around them. Mm -hmm. 
and in the middle, they're made up of protons and neutrons. Mm -hmm. But people like Dr. Marty Breidenbach wondered, what could protons and neutrons be made of? What if we could take those apart? As a kid, I always loved taking things apart. I was encouraged to take things apart. <laughs> By the time I was eight, I'd been busy taking apart car transmissions and stuff like that. Uh, and whether you can put it back together is a detail. So, yeah, I was curious about whether there was anything to the inside of a proton. But how can you cut apart something that's that small? Like, what could you even use? There's no magic scissor. There's no magic scissor that divides it in half anymore. But are there things you can do to break it apart? You bet. Forget the scissors, which gently cut something in half. Now you have to bash it. Oh, we know lots of Our kids that like- Our friends are experts in bashing. bashing. Yeah. Okay. So imagine you have a bowling ball and the same size and the same color, you have an inflated rubber ball that doesn't have very much pressure in it. It's kind of soft and soggy. So on the one hand, we have a really hard bowling ball and next to it is this inflated ball. Mm -hmm. How do you tell which is which without touching it? You gotta stand six feet back and I'll give you a bag of marbles, glass marbles. Ooh. How do you tell which is which? Well, it's easy. You throw marbles at it. If the marble goes click bang and comes right back at you, you've got a bowling ball. Mm. If you throw the marble at the inflated ball, it goes sag, pop, it barely bounces back. It goes off in some other direction, but you don't get the sharp click and it comes rebounding back in your face. Hmm. That is the principle that you can do with the proton. You can do it with electrons. These guys that were orbiting around the nucleus, you can accelerate them. You can make them go fast. So you hurl them at the target and you see which way they bounce. And you know what? This is exactly what we do in that early experiment. We take this beam, we send it at a target of protons. Protons are hydrogen. Hydrogen. Marty, how close is this target of hydrogen protons? Are we still six feet away? Are we still six feet away from it? Well, the beam is coming from far away because the accelerator is very big. I heard that the electron accelerator was a gigantic laboratory up in Northern California that is over three kilometers long. Is that right? Yes, that's true. That is the length of the accelerator. The thing which takes electrons starting from a source and it accelerates those electrons till they're going very fast to this target made of protons. And you bash it. Bash it. And the electrons bounce off. There are two kinds of physicists in the world. There are those who specialize in theory and those who specialize in experiments. As an experimentalist, I learned early is, don't pay too much attention to the theorists. Go do the experiment. So you were an experimentalist, and an experimentalist does the actual work of- Means you try things out. Seeing if a theory works. Okay. In fact, the theorists 
were busy saying there was nothing real about quarks. It was a cute idea to explain the data, but real quarks, come on. How did you show those theorists that you found the real? Yeah. Well, this went like these discoveries usually do. After a lot of argument, a lot of argument. <laughs> was it loud argument? Oh yeah, pretty loud. What did everyone think was gonna happen when you shot that first electron beam at the target? So what everybody expected was that the electrons would just go through and some of it would be deflected a little bit. It would be like going through mush. Hmm. But you know what? That isn't what happened. Whoa. Some of the electrons came bouncing backwards at almost full energy. Whoa. This was kind of amazing. The only way to explain this is the analogy with the bowling ball. The electrons were hitting a point-like object because when they hit that head-on, they come bouncing back. It's exactly what happened. And eventually, we figured out that there were three point-like particles inside the proton, which we called quarks. Quarks. Why did you call them quarks? Who called them we quarks? We didn't call them quarks. A theorist at Caltech, Murray Goldman, invented the word quark. It's a weird word. Three quarks for Mr. Marks <laughs> from Finnegan's Wake. Oh, it's from Finnegan's Wake. Ah, okay. from James Joyce. He, he was quite a literary character. There was another contemporary theorist who named them aces, and that name didn't stick. The name didn't Quark no. is the name that stuck. That's the way it is. The idea of point-like particles inside the proton was so remarkable that it took a lot of courage to stand up in public and say, we see point-like particles in the proton. But eventually, you know, okay, you check this, you check that, everything held together. And we started saying, we see point-like particles inside the proton. I'm Andrew. And I'm Polly. And today we're talking about quarks. So inside of this nucleus of the atom, we have protons and neutrons. And in each proton or neutron, there are maybe three quarks. Three quarks. The quarks for ordinary matter, like protons and neutrons, come in different flavors. Flavors? Candy. Up quarks. Down quarks. Up quarks. Down quarks. But there's also strange quarks. Strange quarks. Wait, really? Yeah, totally. I thought we were just doing describey things. <laughs> are these the actual <laughs> names of quarks? Okay, the words are a little strange. <laughs> they were named in the 70s, right? Of 74. There are six types of quarks so far. And they're called up, down, top, bottom, strange, and charm? That's correct. This is a Pokemon game waiting to happen. Or a dance move. <laughs> we need to invent the, the line dance called the quark. Up, down, bottom, top, charm, strange. Yeah, and then like a few ups in a row, you know? Yeah. And then a few like down, down. Mm, yeah. Oh, this up, is a yeah. song too. Up, it's obviously top, gonna be a song. Down, bottom, strange, charm, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to Ear Snacks.
Marty, when you discovered quarks, did people believe in them right away? It was a long time before people would want to believe quarks. So much of your career and work has been about studying things that people can't see and helping them see them. Well, little particles can't be seen directly, but if you can see it with an instrument, if you can see it with a sensor, we call it seeing. It's, it's just as good. You can't see an atom. You can't see a molecule. You can't see a virus directly with your eyes. We have fancy electron microscopes, right? So now you can see Omicron with fancy imaging techniques. Well, this is a fancy imaging technique. What are some of the things that you think your work made possible, including maybe even the idea of being able to see viruses? Yeah, what does the discovery of a quark mean for people? So I'm glad you asked that. The way to think about that question is to think about energy scales. Energy scales. Like a dragon's? Like a fish? No. No. Different levels of energy, yeah. Let's go back to atoms and molecules. Electrons, that is a scale that has everything to do with our normal interactions on Earth. It's responsible for life of us, life of trees. It's all of chemistry, all of biology is electron volts, a few electron volts. The next interesting scale is when we get to nuclear power, or the nucleus. The inside of the atom. Now let's deal with what holds the nucleus together. Yeah. That is a scale that is a million times higher. And what can we do with that scale? Reasonably good things, like make nuclear reactors, and it can do reasonably bad things, like make bombs. Okay, but that's the scale. That is almost the end of the energy scale that still has to do with everyday human experience. We don't experience giga electron volts, billion volts, but it's there in the early universe. It's there in some of the phenomena that you can see with the enormous telescopes. And it's there involved in the beginning of the universe in something called the Big Bang. Oh, I've heard of that. Oh, yes. And we can study it. We can go up to very, 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 very high energies in the labs and study these phenomena. What do they have to do with ordinary, everyday life? I think the answer is nothing. <laughs> I was just about to say the opposite. I was going to say everything. Well, it depends on what you mean. Are we going to make you a better automobile? No. Are we going to make a better hamburger from seawater without uh, the intervention of any animals? No. The only thing there is, is that we make lots of interesting toys, instruments, instruments, accelerators to do our experiments, and those have applications for everyday life. Cancer is now treated by radiation, radiation oncology, is how you destroy cells you can't operate on surgically. And we can thank the Electron Accelerator for that. Absolutely, there's no question about that. Well, thank you, Quarks. 
since we are able to keep finding smaller and smaller things and breaking apart atoms that we didn't think we could break apart and breaking apart nuclei that we didn't think we could break apart and breaking apart protons that we didn't think we could break apart. Could we possibly break a quark apart and find something smaller than a quark? It's a perfectly reasonable question. I think we're at the end of the line. Okay. There's no hint that there's any substructure to a quark. There's no hint that there's any substructure to an electron. But who knows? I mean, um, that's why you do experiments. <laughs> well, thank you for helping us and our world see these things that were previously unseen. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> thank you so much for being on Ear Snacks, Marty. My pleasure. This was fantastic. What a what a gift. And um Fine. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I guess when you deal with something as big and tiny as quarks, whatever is the appropriate and only response. Whatever. <laughs> Goodbye now. Bye. Bye. And that's our show. Thanks for listening to Ear Snacks. Thank you. Giga thanks to Dr. Marty Breidenbach from Slack National Accelerator Laboratory for sharing about his experience discovering quarks, the fundamental nature of matter, and just having a nice conversation with us. If you want to have a nice conversation with us, have your grown-up visit earsnacks.org. Thanks for listening.